I'm Alison Twycross and I'm Editor-in-Chief of Evidence-Based Nursing and Chair of Long Covid Nurses and Midwives UK. I've had Long Covid since March 2020 and this is the third of three podcasts that Evidence-Based Nursing have recorded about Long Covid. And I'm delighted to be joined by three different people working in the NHS uh, to talk about their experiences of returning to work. And I'm going to get them to introduce themselves. So, Lynn, over to you. Hi there. Um, my name's Lynn. I, um, I've worked in the NHS for far too many years now. Um, I qualified as a nurse when I was 30, and I'm now 35, coming up 36. So, been registered nurse for nearly six years now. Um, I got COVID in April 2020. Um, so I was one of the first to actually catch COVID. Um, I caught it at work and I was one of the tsunami is the only way I can describe it of my team that went down with COVID in that first wave. Um, I don't think there were any members or certainly not many members of my team that didn't catch COVID um, back then. So I returned to work after having COVID. I returned to work um, sort of as soon as I could, really, because the team was struggling due to everybody else peeing off with it. Um, I've never been a half-hearted person. If I do something, then I put all of me into it, sometimes to the detriment of other things. Um, I managed to, to struggle on through various crises at work, you know, line managers leaving, um, me stepping up into a higher banded role, that sort of thing, um, me covering for the manager that was leaving until a new manager be- could be put in place for them. Um, but eventually I had to admit defeat in April 2021. So that was a year after my initial COVID infection. When I spoke to my line manager, my new line manager, I um, I said to her that I was really struggling, that my mental health had taken a major downturn and that I was, basically, I was at rock bottom. I needed some help. Um, so occupational health were involved and they declared me unfit for work, which was, I don't know if anybody else has experienced that, but those three words were just... They, they break my heart, absolutely break my heart. Um, my first thought was, how can I get around that? How can, I, how can I stay working? Which is totally a sign that I clearly wasn't in a good place because I was trying to ignore the fact that I'd been declared unfit for work. Um, luckily, I had somebody who was more senior to me, my hospital matron, and she very intelligently told me that if I'm not fit for work, then I'm not going to be at work and that she'll see me in two weeks' time, which was what Oki Health had recommended. I, I sought help for my mental health issues. Um, it was anxiety, depression. Um, I was becoming short-tempered with sort of the minor things in life, you know, like the saucepan won't come out of the cupboard the way that you want it to and you just sort of want to throw it across the room. It, it, you know, it was really simple little things that shouldn't have caused me to be that cross. Um, so I got the treatment for my mental health issues and then it became apparent that actually that had been masking some physical health issues 
um, that I'd sort of been pushing to one side. So um, things like shortness of breath, chest pain, um, extreme fatigue, which I, I thought, you know, I'm a nurse. I thought it was just overworked, overworked, underpaid, stressed, you know, all of that sort of thing. Um, I don't think there's a nurse out there that wouldn't recognise that that feeling. Um, and yeah, so I then obviously needed to get some support with my physical health symptoms and I was diagnosed with long COVID. So that was in May 2021 that I was actually diagnosed, but I think I had been struggling with it pretty much since my initial infection. It was just that I'd I'd sat on it really. Um, I was given seven months off sick altogether. So I was off from April 2021 to December 2021. Um, and I went back in December last year. It's been it's been a bumpy road going back to work. Um, yeah, it's it's just been really difficult. Um, so so thank you for sharing sharing um, your story in a nutshell. Um, Alison, do you want to share your story? Hi everyone, uh, I'm Alison. Uh, I qualified as a registered nurse in 1989, so for the majority of my career, uh, I think it's over 27 years now, I've worked in intensive care, uh, both in Scotland and in England, and I currently work in an intensive care unit in Greater Glasgow and Clyde in Scotland. Uh, I first tested positive in May 2020, uh, unfortunately tested positive again a few weeks ago but I've recovered from that episode in 2020 initially I, w- I wasn't too unwell I did develop pneumonia uh, I was treated with antibiotics but I was never admitted to hospital and it was only a sort of days weeks went on uh, new symptoms appeared and the ones that I did have worsened I started to really worry that something else was seriously wrong and it was at that sort of same time that long COVID as a term started to appear, sort of social media, etc. I eventually managed to speak to a GP uh, and they organised referrals to me for rheumatology, cardiology, uh, various other bits and pieces. And I was subsequently diagnosed with second degree heart block and single vessel coronary artery disease which I'm on treatment for and seems to be improving. I had also a diagnosis of a reactive arthritis uh, that seems to be improving. I lost most of my hair at the front, all fell out and I also put on about three stone in weight which certainly didn't help my reactive arthritis either. I've lost quite a bit of that uh, now which again seems to be helping. Prior to COVID, I had no chronic uh, health conditions at all. I was fitting well. My husband and I had just had two holidays in America and Italy and we were walking probably 10 to 15 miles a day. No problems at all. And then thereafter, I had, as I say, just a, a multitude. The worst symptoms, I would say, was the fatigue, which, as Lynn has already, it was unlike anything I'd ever, ever experienced before. I, I probably said, oh, I feel fatigued look, because of work. But this is, you're just absolutely exhausted, no matter how much sleep or rest you had. Obviously, I had the quite marked palpitations, etc. as well, which were worrisome. Uh, but I'd say that was the two 
main brain fog was an issue initially, but that seems to have improved uh, over the course. I initially went back to work, I think, about February 2021. So I was off from May 20 to 21 uh, and only managed four weeks till I just deteriorated to a point I couldn't continue. And th- I was then off from, I've been off then a year because I've just gone back to work sort of last week. Uh, sort of later on, I'll, I'll go on and discuss all the support, the different support that was in place this time and compared to the previous time. And I'm very, very grateful for the support I've had from GGNC. And I know, obviously, that isn't the case, case for everyone. Thank you. Thank you. It's interesting what you said about long COVID appearing in the in social media. Yeah. The first time I googled uh, COVID-19 and post-viral um, illness, uh, just after Easter in 2020, there was nothing. <laughs> and then yeah. all of a sudden, about four weeks later, it, it, it started emerging. Yeah. Um, so, and, and also I'm impressed at your GP sending you for all those tests so early on. Um, it was yeah. a, it was quite a battle to have those things done, and I think the fact that I know how to sort of navigate my way through the the healthcare system has certainly helped. Yeah, I mean, and, and the fact that all of us know how to navigate through the healthcare system, and we haven't always got what we want, <laughs> worries me. Because what about people who haven't a clue? Yeah. <laughs> um, but but anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So um, Sue. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your long COVID story? Hi, everyone. Uh, So I'm Sue. I'm a paediatric nurse. Um, In some ways, I never expected to get COVID, leave a known long COVID. Um, I caught my infection at work when I was moved to a different position for a shift. I could actually pinpoint the shift. Um, I came down ill on New Year's Eve 2020 while I was on shift. Um, during the course of that night shift, my asthma got worse. Now, my my asthma was the type of asthma whereby, unless I had a virus uh, in the winter months, I didn't really take any inhalers or anything. It was fine. Um, but that night, I was struggling to breathe. I was taking my inhalers regularly. Um, I was achy. I had this headache that was awful. It, um, and I managed through my shift. And actually, as nurses, we kind of joked and went, ha you've got COVID. <laughs> like we were on the ward just to relieve tension at that point through the pandemic. By the time I got home, uh, I'd spiked my temperature and I just felt awful. Um, I stayed in bed and was really, really ill for about two and a half weeks. The worst of it was for me was actually the headaches. It really felt like my brain was trying to escape. But I got told before that, you know, COVID, it's just a bit like having flu. You might get a little bit of a headache. So myself was like, well, I should expect a headache. With hindsight and more information now, I know that my brain had swollen. Um, I have neurological problems now because I didn't recognise, I suppose, or as a nurse, you think, no, no, I don't need to go into hospital. I'm fine. I can sit out at home. Uh, you know, we're as nurses, we're our own worst enemy, I think. Um, so I have a lot of problems stemming from that. 
I attempted to go back to work twice um, because after, an, I had, like I said, I was ill for two and a half weeks. I took a further two weeks off because I was I had this exhaustion that I just couldn't shift. But then after the beginning of February, I'm thinking, well, I should be back at work now. You know, my colleagues need me. We're short staffed. And you feel that pressure or you put that pressure on yourself to get back to work, even though health wise, you're probably you're not in the right position to be back. So I did attempt to go back. Um, there was no, nothing else. I, I went back straight onto my 12-hour shifts. There was nothing implemented to help me ease into that. Um, I went back on my 12-hour shifts. My first week, second week, I had annual leave. Um, stupid as I was, trying to help out my ward. I did a bank shift and nearly died and everything went wrong on it by the end of it. And then on my third shift, it really took its toll. The exhaustion was beyond a point that I just couldn't cope. And then I went off again. So I then attempted to go back in the beginning of April uh, 2021. My manager, ward manager at that point had done a occupational health referral. And I think it was after I'd done two, two shifts. So I'd had my Zoom meeting with uh, one of the doctors at Occupational Health. And after the meeting, she was sort of like, Sue, what are you doing at work? You're not fit to be at work. And like others, I was sort of like, yeah, I need to be at back, back at work. You know, my colleagues, they're short-staffed. We've got to be, we've got to be there. And you, yeah, you, we put that pressure on ourselves. So I was initially signed off for three months, but it just got more symptoms came. I had the hair loss. And that was at that point, you when you are off from work, you're isolated. You don't know anybody that's got COVID. You're at that point. You don't, you have these things happening to you and your body that you just, is this normal? It worries you. Like the hair loss as a female, that is incredibly worrying. It's incredibly upsetting when you wash your hair and just seeing all this hair go. I had nobody to talk to. So actually, I made the point of trying to find support groups. And I found one on Facebook that was for healthcare professionals and said, is this normal? When everybody was saying, well, yeah, it's normal and explained other things. And it was really reassuring finding that group. But yeah, it's I, like others, I did have trouble getting seeking help uh, through the NHS. Um, it wasn't until July 2021 that I actually got to see somebody and he has been the best doctor on everything. He literally has taken everybody with uh, long COVID in the surgery under his wing and he helps them. I'm lucky in the fact that he used to be a consultant, um, to put a step back and is a GP. So he's gone above and beyond his duty or job. He reads everything he can read. He looks at studies looks at articles, literally everything. He absorbs everything. And he's not surprised by the symptoms we come up with. He's read it, he's seen it. Um, and initially I was going into him and saying, I've got this, this and this. And so I'm on various medications now, which do help. But at the time he said, Sue, where do you think you are in being ill? Because I don't have the respiratory problems, minor, yeah, the extreme fatigue, um, the headaches, which can last days and just crush me my neurological side which is the fact that I can get confused during sentences talking lose my where I was talking um I can get frustrated with myself because I can picture I can see an object or picture a person or a film or a song and I can't tell you what that is I can't 
in a long-term sickness review, I needed the word tablets and I could not think of that word. I, I could see it. I knew what they were, how it works. I could not give you that. And also last year, I was, and they've just started happening again, I was having blackouts. Things were happening during these periods. I don't really know what was happening. I only know the real two silly, uh, a couple of silly incidences, like I had a pair of scissors up in my bedroom, turned my back and they disappeared. There was nobody else in the house. And I went downstairs into the kitchen where they should be and they were there. So I must have put them, gone all the way downstairs, put them back and put them all the way upstairs. I don't remember that. Um, I'm starting to have those episodes again. I thought they'd gone for a while. They wonder whether it is because maybe a strokes I was ha- having or whether it was seizures. They're not too sure. They know there's damage been done neurologically. They don't know whether it's chemical. They don't know whether it's electrical or tissue. Um and my doctor, who's fantastic as is, was just saying, Sue, you've got to treat this as a brain injury and it can take up to a couple of years to heal if it's going to heal. So I've still got a long way to go. Um, I am back at work. I started at the end of January. I am redeployed. I am working from home. Um, I can't be on the ward. I am a risk on the ward. Um, there are concerns of what happens if I was told something important about my patient and I didn't document that or I didn't pass it on to the necessary people or if I gave medication and forgot to sign it off or didn't give the medication or and things like that. So at the moment, I can't be back on my ward. I have had some fantastic support. I've also had some lousy experiences because I look normal and healthy um people don't see my crashes then you must be all right you must be all right why can't you be back of the ward why can't you be working we're short staffed and it's all right and you do feel that like i said you do feel that pressure on yourself um i qualified in 2017 having come out of a different career and it upsets me that potentially i might not be able to go back with because of these problems and it's something i learned when i was at home is our careers are our identity or part of it. And without that, what are we? So that upsets me. I've got, I'm lucky in the sense my trust has given me up to a year to see if I can get back into my original uh, role. But then what do I do if I don't? And that's the question that upsets me. Yeah, no, no it, it, is, it is really upsetting. Thank you for sharing your story. I think it's really helpful for our, our, our listeners to hear about how long COVID has devastated uh, people's lives. So I'm going to go on to the next question, which some of you have kind of answered. Um, Alison, do you want to say anything about how you knew it was time to go back to work? I think just basically this is the best I've felt in two years. To be absolutely truthful, I don't know if it's time to go back. I don't know how I'm going to do, because at the moment I'm only working sort of three days of three hours, which I'm okay with at the moment. But I usually work three 12-hour shifts a week, so I don't know how I'm going to go, you know, escalating the hours. Also, as I said, my my travel time's an hour each way as well, driving right through through Glasgow to get to work. I think it's just something I'm going to have to take step by step and see how it goes. But I, 
my main factor was it's the best I have felt for two years. That's the only thing I can say that I thought I've got to give it a try now and see how I go. Okay, thank you for that. You've mentioned 12-hour shifts. And from what people have been telling me, 12-hour shifts seem to be a big problem for, for people with long COVID, uh, which which is really hard. And also, if the, if the days you're doing, like someone was doing three seven-hour shifts, but on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and, 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 and that, that was to- too much. So we maybe need to learn something as we all start going back to work about is there a point where we can't increase our hours anymore? And I guess to an extent that will be individual, but yeah. So, Lynn, what about you? Like Alison, I don't know um, whether now is the right time to have gone back. Um, I know that I sort of felt very guilty um, because I went back when we were sort of going back into winter pressures, as it were. Um, I was watching the news, seeing the news was saying about, you know, we've got so many NHS staff missing. We've got nurses that aren't aren't at work, nurses that have left work, nurses that can't work because they're off sick, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Going into winter pressures, it's, you know, basically everything was horrendous. Um, I was also, when I was speaking to my line manager, when I was looking to go back, every time I was having the conversation about, right, now I've spoken to occupational health and they don't feel I'm ready yet, or I don't feel I'm ready yet. It was the, oh, okay. And that was literally the conversation. It's, you know, there's only so many times you can hear that before you start feeling like you are really letting people down. Added to the fact that I was also having, and still am now, having text messages from the ward to ask if, I can cover RN shifts, so they're not specifically aimed at me. It's just part of the group, you know, they send out the group messages saying, can anyone cover? And I still get those um, now with the, there's no way that I can physically be clinical. I, a bit like Sue has said, I'm not safe. I wasn't even, I, I did a shadow shift on the ward a couple of weeks ago and my line manager wouldn't even let me be a witness to countersign a controlled drug. So I wouldn't be touching that drug. I would literally be standing there watching my colleague count the medication. So, but yeah, so basically um, I kind of felt like I, I didn't have a lot of choice. Um, one of one of my meetings, one of my sickness review meetings was with HR recently and they did ask if, I felt like it was too soon to be going back. They wondered if maybe, you know, I wasn't quite ready, even though I'm doing a totally different role now to what I was doing before. But I I sort of, I, I feel like, well, if I don't try and go back, then I'm never going to try and go back. You know, it's like, how long do I keep not trying? You know, there's only so much. And I sort of view it as, as a form of my rehabilitation as well. You know, there's only so much you can do at home with increasing your activities and stuff before you start going round and round in circles and going completely and utterly crazy. And yeah, I needed to get out of the house and I thought, you know what, I might as well go back and try and be helpful to the team at work. Okay, thank you for that. So Sue, when did you know it was time to go back to work? 
I tried going back several, uh, in myself, I wanted to go back several times, partly because you put that pressure on yourself, but partly because I was really bored at home. Um, and I needed that to be, I wanted my brain to be more active because I'm thinking I was doing like brain games and things like that to ha- try and help improve my cognitive abilities. I'm rubbish at a lot of games, anyhow, but it was to help. Um, but this was something that was agreed between my doctor when he thought I was ready because I thought at one point I was ready. He was going, no, it's not happening. Um, so between my doctor um, and also occupational health doctors, because they'd, they'd known me for quite a long period of time now and everything. So they were seeing changes in me and improvements in me um, and what I felt as well. So it, it was between the three of us coming together and saying, right, you you could possibly do something now. But right from the off, we were saying, not on the ward. It can't be back in your original position because it's too high risk for you. It's going to be too high risk for your patients. It just happened to be that I filled in a redeployment application and that went through. And I literally put everything. Uh, I talked about my long COVID. I talked about, I had like a a six-week phased return that slowly built up my hours. But a lot of that was getting my training back up to scratch through uh, online training systems and that because I was so, everything was out of date. So I'm really proud to say it's the first time ever. I'm 100% on everything. (laughs) Um, But probably the one and only times I will be. But so I am redeployed. I am in a position that I am enjoying, I'm loving. And it just happens to be I'm in a position whereby I am in the process or project of setting up a long COVID staff support group for my trust um, so that they, once again, like I found through this Facebook site support group, people can come and ask their questions, but it can also be about the trust, you know, where do I go for here for this information? Where do I go there? You know, what do I do about this person? And it's just somewhere that all of us can come together. Because like I said, when I was off, I felt so isolated. Nobody understood long COVID outside those that have long COVID, really. Um, And I want, so I'm in the process of setting that up. I was also shocked at the time, and it's not just my trust, it's a load of trust across the country. How many trusts don't actually talk about it on their staff nets or their... Uh, a main internet site there's a majority of them there's nothing about long covid and i find that astounding you know it's in social media so why isn't it on the trusts information just so that your colleagues can have a look and see what the symptoms are and what you're going through if nothing else so yeah i'm in the process of like i said setting up that group but also getting information and creating documentation to go up on our trust um staff net um so it's there for people so i'm really proud that i am chuffed that i've got to that point that i can do that and it's all in my own time there's no pressure there's no rush and the other side of me to keep my pediatric link there is doing something in the well in the side of well-being for my colleagues as well because i think that's the pressure i was putting on myself that i needed back on the wall because they're they're so stressed and they're tired and they've been through everything as well so i want to implement something that's going to give them help their mental health and their well-being as well so that's a project that i'm in a position that i can work with as well so yeah i've had on the one hand, I've had great support. I've got a great trust. My HR have been actually quite good. Occupational health have been fantastic. I have been working with the Royal College of Nursing with my reps, and they've been fantastic. 
and they've also got great great resources on it and they're one of the few places that I found do but I have had a had difficulties as well with people that maybe it's the lack of uh, education not understanding that I've been met at times with hostility um well you look normal sort of attitude why aren't you back at work to be fair I actually thought I was always better than I actually was and it wasn't until my doctor said well where do you think of on the spectrum of one to ten uh ten being incredibly ill and one being better he says where do you think you are I said oh about three and he put me at about seven or eight (laughs) so it's like ah okay so our perspectives can be a bit off as well with things but yeah it's I have noticed that since I've gone back to work some of my symptoms have come out again um, and I did go to back to the doctor and say, well, this is happening. And really, it's just because I'm using my brain again. So I am getting more headaches again. I have had one or two of the blackouts, which scare me because I just don't know what's happening. One of my weird situations was I had um, itching all over. No rash, just itching. So I was put on strong antihistamines that were supposed to help. that, And they have up until I started back at work. And now I'm on two lots of antihistamine and just things like that. There's things that have crept out even though that I'm on medication for them uh, that have come into come back to light so I am enjoying the position I do have that concern about you know I've got a year to get back into my role but if not what do I do but I am enjoying what I'm doing and I've met, and I've been I've got a great team that understands what I'm going through what I've been through and they're supporting me and yeah it's good thank you for that now we've covered a bit of this already but I was wondering how what happened before you all returned to work so best practice guidance would be you had an OCH health assessment uh, a risk assessment was done by your line manager you had a return to work plan with a plan for relapses were the visible adjustments that were suggested by occupational health put in place and did you get an extended phased return I think Sue said she had six weeks I think the best practice guidance would be 12 weeks or or longer. And I know that some people in the NHS are being told it's four weeks or nothing. And that's almost setting people up to fail. So I'd be really interested in your experiences. So I'm going to go to Lynn. Um, yeah, so I I did have an occupational health appointment before I was due to return to work. Unfortunately, the appointment was arranged for too close to my actual return to work day. So the suggestions and the report and everything hadn't been um, hadn't even been compiled by the time I actually went back to work. Um, So, yes, I had an occupational health appointment. Could there have been something maybe organised a little bit better? Yes, definitely. But when I returned to the ward on the Monday morning, my manager and I discussed my my problems and what, what my symptoms were. She initially wanted me to spend some time shadowing a band two healthcare assistant. Um, basically, I was just going to follow that particular person around for the day. Um, and unfortunately, she put me with an extremely lovely but extremely hyperactive healthcare assistant um 
I mean, I, I love this woman with all of my heart. She's an absolutely fantastic person. She does her job and she knows what she's doing. But for somebody that, you know, gets fatigued making a cup of tea, that's probably not the best thing to be doing. Um, it didn't help. They were actually short-staffed on that day as well. It was, you know, it was all just pretty, pretty dire, to be honest. But before I was allowed onto the ward, a risk assessment was done by my line manager, but it wasn't related to my symptoms. It was related to my own personal choice around the COVID vaccine. So I'm not going to go off on a major tangent, but my own personal choice at that point was that I didn't want to have it because of personal thoughts. Um, and so the risk assessment was more based on how can how can you be trusted with patients if you haven't had the vaccine anyway? So, yeah, so that was um, that was my first day back. We did have a return to work plan that was agreed. We did agree that we would be catching up every week. Um, unfortunately, we didn't think to plan for managing relapses. This was at the point I didn't really know that I was going to have relapses. Obviously, I didn't think things were going to be fantastic and perfect and wonderful. But I also didn't realise I was going to have quite such major crashes after um, so we we had the return to work plan, um, but we unfortunately it wasn't really followed, um, which it, if it had been, it would have made things a lot easier for me. Um, there were, when the occupational health report did come through, there were um, reasonable adjustments suggested, things like doing flexible hours, um, so if I was fatigued in the morning and I couldn't actually manage to get into work, then I could, you know, go in later, um, longer breaks, possibly a less demanding role being done. So by that, my manager saw fit to put me, like I say, with this healthcare assistant who, like I say, I love her to pieces, but she's hyperactive when she's on a slow day. My phased return wasn't officially agreed as being extended um but it it became very obvious that four weeks wasn't going to be enough um so it was extended and extended until it was at 12 weeks and then at 12 weeks it was sort of right well your phase return is over you need to come back now you you need to you know just come back to the ward come back to working full-time hours why aren't you ready yet um so at that point I contacted the Royal College of Nursing my union and they stepped in and they've helped me to yeah they, they're helping me to kind of get get those reasonable adjustments made and get like some 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 sort of plan going forwards and unfortunately with regards to the review meetings that were planned there were issues where my manager would be off sick or working from home or um, self-isolating because of being COVID contact um, so she didn't necessarily always turn up or log in for the meetings and similar with HR so the HR representative she there's a couple of meetings that she didn't attend either and it, it just kind of led to a feeling of sort of abandonment really um, and you know I know they've got umpteen other staff that they need to look after and support and manage and everything but you just sort of think, actually, when you catch these things in the line of duty, you you just you, you hope that somebody's going to be there for you a little bit more. 
and you know i i totally i feel let down basically i feel let down by my trust by my managers and by the nhs thank you for that lynn i think i think lots of nhs staff are telling me they feel let down i mean i was working uh, and i know i'm not the only one um but i was working hours and hours and hours because my team had gone down with covid at the time we're a we're a small community hospital so it's not like we're you know we're, we're not in a big acute hospital where you've got other wards that you can pull people from we are literally the only ward in the hospital and of course as soon as we started to become covid positive either the staff or the patients we were we were cut off from the rest of the hospital we had to use a totally different entrance we had to you know, we weren't allowed to step foot off the ward. It was kind of, you almost got the feeling like there were going to be snipers waiting for you if you so much as opened the door to the rest of the hospital. And that was very isolating. And then, like I say, I was working extremely hard. My husband, who was also classed as a key worker. So as a result, we actually, we moved into separate bedrooms so that I didn't give it to him and he didn't give it to me. I was isolated from my elderly parents. It was... You know, and I just feel like I did so much, and I know all of the other nurses and everything else out there did as well, not just nurses, care staff, and everybody. I know that everybody did what they could, but I just feel so let down and so disappointed. Thank, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it really illustrates how you and lots of other people feel. I'm going to move on to Sue now and ask her to reflect on what happened before she returned to work. You've mentioned some of it before, but is there any anything else you, you want to add? Um, right in the beginning of my illness and absence, I, I felt like initially my initial referral to occupational health was used as a kind of weapon by certain people. I My illness wasn't believed so for the first part of I was off, it was hard. My first time, uh, first meeting, long-term sickness meeting was disastrous. It just happened to be that, unfortunately, my RCN rep couldn't be there. He, it kind of implied it's supposed to be a meeting about how to support you and whether you're ready to come back to work and how we implement that and so on and so forth. It wasn't. It was very much hard figures, statistics, why are you back? and it was awful I had things that were used against me my own social media was used against me I was being informed by a psychologist from the trust and by my doctor and also by occupational health that actually you need to get out and about you need to do things but do it in your own time so I was going out and about sometimes if I wanted to go out for a longer period of time this might take a couple of days of planning of how I was going to do this or how I was going to rest before or after but we did things so I was proud I was doing these things I would put it on my social media and that and then in that first long-term sickness meeting, it was being used against me. Well, you must be well enough because you're putting things on social media, so you must be bad. You need to come back to work sort of thing. And it was absolutely awful. And I was in tears afterwards. It's sort of like, how can we say we are a caring and compassionate profession when we can't even show our own staff that? Uh, and it, And so hence, as it went on and more towards the uh, middle to late summer, things did get in better. 
better um, because I informed my rep what was ha- what had happened and I was so upset and blah, blah, blah. He said, no, it shouldn't have been like that. Right, I'm going to be in the next meeting. And he was there for me. And when they tried to use unhelpful, unprofessional tactics, shall we say, then their behaviour was brought up to them. So it was turned back on them, which I'm really glad because I wouldn't have been able to do that. I'm mentally and physically, I was in no fit state to question their poor behaviour, but he did for me. So I've had lousy support, but I've had great support as well. My trust has been fantastic. Um, so my rep, um, the doctors through occupational health have been fantastic. And we've they've kind of all worked with each other. I had a... Uh, trust psychological help and they've they've inputted with me so that side of things has been really really helpful and the planning yeah my phased return was we started planning it or looking at it it's sort of like October time um, and it was adjusted and that and so just before I went back to work it was we we etched it out and hashed over a few details of that and we knew straight away for the at least for the first few weeks I was definitely going to be at home um, I definitely wasn't going to be on the ward. It wasn't recommended by occupational health at all. As regards my manager doing a risk assessment, I don't think she did as such, not with me involved, because initially I think they wanted me back so desperately. It was kind of turned on them to say, well, are you willing to accept full responsibility if there is a medication error or there's a mistake or anything like that, and, and turned it back on the management and said, will you take 100% responsibility because you're asking her to be in a position she's not capable of being in? And then it was like, oh, actually, okay, maybe not. Um, so when I returned, it was I was at home. I did caught up with my all my training, like I said, um, and I did have that six-week phase return, building up my hours. Initially, I went in like Monday Wednesday and Friday and just did like a couple of hours in the mornings and that gave me a day to recover afterwards and slowly built things up like that so that was really good but I think when I returned nobody quite knew what to do with me it was right we've got to put you in a different position but we don't know where in the end my I was I was given the application for the uh, COVID redeployment team has said, could you fill this in? And and they might be able to find something further afield uh, within the trust. Um, and it just happened to be that um, one of the people um, looking over the applications saw my application and said, I think she'd be quite good for my normal team, you know. And it came from that. But literally, I put about all experiences. So I put about experiences in my previous career as well and brought those through. And I'm using a lot of those skills now to make telephone calls, chase things up, to send out emails, um, put myself forward for things like this. (laughs) Um, So I'm kind of putting myself out there. I feel like I'm a bit of an ambassador for long COVID because I will talk about it for ages because I am putting myself out there. I think there is a serious lack of education I was kind of really disappointed in the NHS for that. I was sort of like, well, you should be at the front line. You should be the ambassadors for this, educating staff and that. So I feel like I've kind of taken on that role. Okay, interestingly, by... interestingly, the NHS is supposed to be an exemplar employer, according to some nice guidelines somewhere. <laughs> but I'm going to interrupt. Over to you, Alison. Tell us a bit about the support Greater Glasgow and Clyde have been giving you. So, as I already said, I attempted to get back to work in sort of February, March 2021. I did have a basic meeting with an occupational health doctor at that point, 
and they said, you know, there's, there's really nothing we can offer. Uh, you'll do a four-week phase return. And when I went back, I started at my normal time, which is quarter past seven, and it was left sort of open-ended. Uh, just work as long as you can each day. And I, I know that everybody will feel that once you're at work, you feel obliged to stay there. Uh, so some day, most days I was working to four or five o'clock and I was absolutely exhausted. You can imagine, I, I went straight back into intensive care and it was still so busy at that point and it only lasted four weeks and I just couldn't continue. I was then off again, as I said, until last week. But in the, the meantime, sort of towards the end of last year, I was re- referred to Greater Glasgow and Clyde had started a sort of COVID rehab group via their occupational health department. And it was a, it was over eight weeks, so two hours every eight weeks. It was all done online. And their team comprised of nursing staff, physios, uh, occupational therapists and a psychologist. And they covered sort of all the main aspects along COVID, sort of pacing and fatigue, uh, cardiac symptoms, breathlessness, and gave psychological help as well if, if that's what you, you needed. Following the eight-week course, which took me into the beginning of this year, I got a one-to-one uh, session with one of the occupational health advisors and sort of we went through all the problems I still had and they put a whole list of adjustments in for me. So I start started work at the moment at 10 o'clock, which is to sort of try and beat the rush hour. They've organised a parking permit for me because I'm sure everybody's aware how desperate it can be trying to even get a parking space before you start. I'm just doing three three hours a week and then that's it's reviewed. I've got a sort of open door policy with my line manager as well. So he checks in with me after nearly every shift just to see how I've been doing. Uh, and the three hours will only be escalated up uh, if I feel ready to do it. And if need be, they can be taken back as well. I can go back to doing two days, etc. I've had regular contact. Uh, even when I was off, I had initially, it was just phone calls. And then I had meetings with my line manager in HR, like Zoom calls, monthly calls. And it was the same as everyone. I initially get this letter through, you know, stating you have a meeting with HR. And I was really concerned. It was very formally written. So I'd contacted uh, my union rep, who's RCN as well. And he sat in the first meeting with me. But it was all, it was very good. And it was very supportive, exactly as they, they said it was going to be. And they were just... I think it was because it was so new to everyone, they were just trying to work through what would be the best way to help uh, all staff back to work. So the the course that's run by Occupational Health and GGC is open to every member of staff that's got long COVID. Uh, and it's certainly, uh, you know, I can't fault them. They've been so supportive, uh, as have my line manager, my colleagues, uh, my union uh and also the fact that uh, GGNC have stuck to there was a fair work statement released right at the beginning of the pandemic by the Scottish Government saying that nursing staff and other staff shouldn't uh, lose any of their pay. So I've had full pay throughout as well. Uh, and it's not been counted as any sort of sickness absence. So I haven't triggered anything or it's it's been all been counted as special leave. And I really wanted to take part in this today because I think 
what's that, what I've I've been offered a sort of gold standard that should be offered to all nursing staff. And I'm hoping, like speaking about it, it'll make other people because I'm I, I'm fully aware how fortunate I've been in, in you know having the support of so many people to get back to work. So hopefully this will make more people aware of, of what what is what is available and what can be done if you know if people put their heads together and do what's best for the the long COVID community. Thank you. It's it's good to hear what Greater Glasgow and Clyde are, are, are doing, and I know there are other trusts like Morecambe Bay that are doing a grand job of supporting staff. And I'm told there are others out there. So it kind of restores my faith in the humanity of the NHS a little bit. Um, Okay, so I'm going to go to Sue and ask her, last chance to comment, anything you think we need to include that we haven't done? I just think we, yeah, there needs to be education out there for everybody. But I also think, like I said, it needs to be on there openly to educate and be on the websites for the NHS as well for colleagues to read doctors nursing staff office staff whoever but it needs to be on their own staff nets and websites and that and it just isn't at the moment thank you so Lynn I would also just like to say that I think people need to be supported a lot more by by the management teams um a lot of my stuff that I've done more recently with regards to sort of redeployment and possibly, you know, finding alternative job roles. A lot of that has been driven by me. And I'm I'm very lucky that at the moment I have got the the energy and the urge to kind of drive that. But I'm very aware that there's a lot of people out there with long COVID that won't be able to do that. At the moment I feel like I'm stuck in a rock and a hard place because I feel like my manager wants me either back to what I was two years ago or she wants me gone and there is no in between i'm not quitting my job <laughs> so. okay thank you for that interestingly i believe that best practice for redeployment is that you have specialists to support you but i'm not aware of that happening in the nhs uh, and it's something i kind of want to explore a bit more so thank you for raising that okay alison anything you'd like to add just to reiterate, if you know, if I can be afforded this support, then I would hope that everybody, or, or speaking about nurses, all nurses should be afforded the, the same support that I have. Thank you all for sharing your stories. I know it was painful at times, but but I really appreciate that we uh, that we can get the good and the bad and the ugly out there, and and, and hopefully ensure that uh, people coming along their long COVID journey behind us are, are treated. A little bit more compassionately uh, and in line with best practice. Mm-hmm.